Hello and welcome to Do the Right Thing, your weekly writing prompt podcast. I'm Alexandra. And I'm Jarvis. Jarvis and I are trying to gain um, literal, lit- literal, no, liter- literary immortality by scratching our initials on the wall, except we've forgotten how letters are formed. Exactly. So to, so to figure out exactly how those letters go together, we are issuing a challenge. Each week you sit down and write a complete short story using three of four randomly generated words. Then we come on the podcast, we read the story, we talk about what we learned in writing it, and then we talk about stories sent in by you wonderful listeners. Exactamundo, we're simply here to help you do the right thing. A doof media production. Did you know that cursive is not truly standardized? No. I mean, they tried to uh, teach us, I think, like, in kindergarten and then they gave up halfway through the uh, year oh yeah so. for sure but like in addition right so that's that's like one standard that they they teach and i'm sure that did probably varies state by state but like recently yeah i um you know i was, I was trying to 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 figure out a new signature because you know new name and all that right mm-hmm. um and i was like wait i forgot how some of these are supposed to be done in cursive right <laughs> and i realized i actually had been doing a couple letters like completely wrong this whole time but um that actually doesn't really it, like, accord, it was wrong according to those standards but like it, you could read it so it was fine right like yeah. it looked like print letters just with more loops and that's actually what some of the cursive standards kind of differed on um yeah. some are like very loopy and that's sort of the point and then there's other standards that were like hey let's get rid of the loops they take too much time and then so it's just a standard made for less loops but yeah there's no standard cursive so your cursive if it's readable then it is correct nice well see honestly i have always had the question of what exactly is the functionality of cursive well like what is it supposed to do for you so so it's it's twofold so one is um, a historical reason, and this one is more like provable, uh, that when people were writing with um, uh, feathers and ink, mm-hmm. uh, right, and quills, um, it is bad to lift off the quill from the paper. So mm-hmm. the isn't I- it like dry out or something? Um, I something like that, or maybe it drips. I don't necessarily, but I, I know it's bad. I know you, like mm-hmm. it's it's a problem if you do to. that too much, right? Um, mm-hmm. or it's a hassle or something. So the idea was to keep the quill connected to the paper as much as possible. Uh, this was done during, I think, the the Renaissance, which is in in Italy, which is why it's called italics. You get it because it's mm. from it- Italy. Um, also, uh, italics is something separate from cursive as well. They're like, it it's weird. Um, anyway, <laughs> um. Uh, oh yeah yeah the, if cursive should be slanted is another little thing that people debate about so so that's one thing so that's one like real reason why cursive was was developed and then there was an additional idea that cursive helps you write faster because you don't lift up your pen from the page um it although does. it definitely well does. well according to research it'll be sloppy but uh that um there was findings that like there it actually didn't really affect things that much right or at the very least that was some a difference very very hard to measure um like mm-hmm. on average people who learned cursive first and people who learned print first they wrote about the same speed so hmm. yep it, yeah, who knows that's very interesting well i mean when it since we're already going into details Let's talk about this week's challenge, which was, of course, to write a deeply descriptive short story. Uh, And you brought a fantastic story, didn't you? That's right. Um, The words this week were, and I've already forgotten them, so let me... Mm. God damn it, I closed the app too. I'm a fool. It means you didn't use them in your story. Yeah, that's right. I just just pissed on them. Sorry, that was just the first word that came to my mind. Um, So (laughs) the words this week were punish, pair, pure, and funny. I used all but um, funny. Did I? Did I Mm -hmm. use punish? I I, I did use punish uh, in the first phrase right at the beginning, Um, which um, just just to put it in there, basically. Um, So, yeah, so the, the challenge this week was to focus entirely on describing like one object i did something a little different than like my original outline which is i described like a house and i yeah. it, it's not at all what i actually meant to do with the challenge it, um which was more to focus on one particular object and really really drill down on like one very specific 
smaller thing than this. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I kind of regret, uh, you know, halfway through as it was already kind of too deep to like start over um, and too close to the deadline to start over. (laughs) um, I was regretting, uh, you know, not not doing what I had originally outlined, but I continued and Mm -hmm. finished this off anyway. In in the end, this did have a bit of environmental storytelling, I suppose, is what you've that's more of a like it's more of like a game development term, but it sort of applies here, too. (laughs) and that's what I was trying to practice as I went through. So I was still happy that I did it. I don't think it's necessarily the most interesting story I've ever written. Um, and it's not what I, I, I still do want to redo that challenge of, of picking a single thing and describing it. Um, but I still got some good stuff out of it, I think. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I mean, overall, I, I really did love your uh, story and I cannot wait, wait to uh, hear it. All right, well, let's just uh, get into it. This is the house in the snowfield. The house stands alone. It is two stories tall, but squat, with a flat roof, and made of large cement bricks, a gray surface as cold as the snow that decorates the barren, flat landscape around it. The surface is weathered, pockmarked in places, bare. Along the bricks are white scratches suggestive of writing, though few are legible. Scrawled above head height, close to one corner, is the phrase, God, punish the sinful. The pure, fresh snow hides all terrain features but the tallest, burying every piece of rubble and every hint of green under cool white powder. The sun is shining overhead, as bright as anything, and the entire view takes a look as if the land is glowing as if the land doesn't exist, and all there is is this short, gleaming gray house. The door is the brightest feature of the outside, the windows clear and trimmed in white. The door is a deep brown, with a scratched and fogged circular window staring like the eye of waking Polyphemus. The brass knob would stick to one's hand from the sweat on one's skin. It's so cold, but it turns as easy as anything. The door opens, but stops about a foot after opening, only just enough to squeeze through, blocked by the refrigerator, which has been dragged across the hardwood floor, leaving twin grooves, to stand close. It is open, and empty of everything, including its shelves. The foyer is short. A barren coat rack stands to one side, two pairs of small, dull pink boots, one pair bigger than the other, scattered underneath. The smaller pair is caked with mud up to the ankle, but both are covered in a layer of dust which the light from the cracked open front door cannot penetrate. Immediately after the door is shut, the whistling of the wind, which is easily ignored while it remains ever-present, cuts off, and only quietly whispers its howl against the walls and rattles from elsewhere in the house. Instead, the wood flooring creaks and footsteps bounce off the walls. The floor plan of the house is not open, though the foyer does lead past some stairs into a living room which is bordered by a kitchen, separated by a half-wall. The windows looking out to the back of the house are tall, though wooden planks cover most of them, so only the thin slants of light that can slide through illuminate the room. They land and bounce off the floor, revealing where the planks came from, as in this room the flooring has been mostly pulled up, revealing a cement floor as gray as the outside. The room also contains the few signs of habitation. In the center, on the dark cement, is a pile of ashes and blackened ground. The scent of wood smoke and plastic lingers, gently making themselves known, but letting themselves also be easily forgotten. The ashes are long dead and lightly scattered by the wind, and scraps of those same planks poke out. Above, the ceiling is blackened as well, with a trail leading to one of the windows smashed near the top. The remaining glass rattles against the wood as the wind changes direction. Between the kitchen and living room, opposite the half-wall, there is a series of lines and notches on the wall. They begin about four feet above the floor, three columns of them, one in purple marker, one in green marker, and another in notches. The first purple line is labeled four years, and just to the right and three inches below is another labeled three years in green. 
They extend for a few more years, always matched with the corresponding one in the other column, before vanishing abruptly when the purple is labeled 8 years. There is one more label above the green column, but carved in short, straight lines, as if someone merely stuck a blade straight at the wall to cut them in. It reads 23, and it is much higher than the rest. There is no matching notch in the purple column. The kitchen still has a table, metal-legged and glass-topped, though the chairs are nowhere to be found. The counter is false granite, polished, scratched. In the grooves, there are quiet red stains. The stove, a space away from the gaping space the fridge had, is old. The grill is missing, as well as the parts in one of the burners. It smells of steel, and oils here. When one stands still, a drip, drip, drip sound echoes from beneath the sink. Back to the foyer, the stairs are carpeted and filthy, deeply stained with mud and other things as one walks up. It smells faintly of mold. Upstairs, the carpet continues, though the stains fade a bit, the mud left behind on the ground floor. There are two bedrooms. The master bedroom is more lived in, the drawers left open, scraps of clothing left behind. The bed is unmade, and the sheets have holes in them. The bedding disappeared. The room smells faintly of sweat and wet dog. The master bath is likewise lived in. Empty bottles are left in one corner, and both the mirror and glass cage of the shower are streaked. The mirror is cracked, a circle of shards smashed in about the center, those shards glittering on the counter and the sink decorated with dark red stains and streaks, long left behind and uncleaned. In the other bathroom, out in the hall, things are left similarly ragged, though a toothbrush, bristles spread wide, is left in the sink, head in the drain. The other bedroom's door is firmly shut. Inside is a mess. A fallen bunk bed blocks the first steps into the room, the mattresses torn into, with knife or hands. A dresser, cheap plastic and pink, is crunched on the floor, the drawers loose and punched with holes the size of boots. A plastic baby doll lies prone, hands over its head, the back of its head featuring a deep dimple, suggesting a hollow inside. A teddy bear with one leg and a whole trailing stuffing is draped over one of the mattresses. The other mattress is burned. A spot, black and curled orange, the size of a dinner plate decorates it. Its remnants burn plastic and pressed into the very air. On the floor next to the burned bot is a mug. On its side, empty. The mug reads, Best Sister at This Side of the Mississippi. The text is faded, as if fingers had rubbed over the porcelain surface long enough to rub away the paint. Wow, wow, wow. What a fantastic story. Uh, I honestly just really liked sort of how everything that you that you describe within this story has a solid connection to the previous and uh, forthcoming thing that uh, you are going to, you know, go to. It feels very much so like we are just in the eye of a camera going going from a wide shot, then, you know, a, like, mid on the door, and then a close-up on the handle, and then so on, and then, and then so forth. And really, I guess my, my biggest question is, is this a real place that you were trying to, that you're trying to describe, or, you know, did you just come up with it, and exactly why did you choose to focus on this place um so yeah no it was made up um i i, I definitely <laughs> drew from like an old house that i lived in but it was mostly made mm-hmm. up um basically i i i just like picked a description i started going through it the, the initial like seed of it basically of like oh this is why i want to write this was the idea of the like the, the notches on the wall and stuff mm-hmm. um and sort of just like you know, former inhabitants and current inhabitant inhabitants and stuff. Um, and that was basically like the entire motivation for it. And it just kind of slowly, uh, came from there. And, um, it definitely did help with writing it. It just like that. I could Mm -hmm. just have a path of just like, let's go, let's describe the outside and then 
the entryway and then this room and that room. Um, so writing it wasn't too difficult, but I definitely struggled a little bit with keeping things interesting. Um, yeah. Hmm, well, I don't know if I would say that. So it's so like one thing that I, that I did find that could have maybe helped in, I guess, the purpose of, of what you were writing. Granted, I, I did really like it and I did really like this place that you were describing and you and you really did bring it to a life through your text. That is, that is without a doubt. Uh, but I do feel that two key things that were missing for me was what it was like to be here, like that feeling beyond mm -hmm. the smell. Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, just having a having some sort of character, you mm -hmm. know, having some sort of specific voice that is that is looking at this place through their eyes. Mm -hmm. I think that would kind of help when it comes to the purpose of of this this story and also I guess the um, how interesting this this story really is. Not not saying that it's not, but yeah, I think that could have helped, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, I definitely I think part of my mind was was already preparing for it to be a little boring when I conjured up an image of a barren, snowy landscape and gray walls <laughs> and stuff. I I don't think mm -hmm. that helped in 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 making it feel lively. Um, I a character would have would have worked. I I think even like an animal or you know something to mm -hmm. that's alive and interacting with the with this world. I think would have yeah made that made that more yeah. active for sure. Um. But I mean, like at the same time, you like did have like a lot of moments when you were talking about uh, previous residents that I thought was really, really strong. Uh, like I know the like uh, very ending when uh, you were talking about the mug that said um, best sister on this side of Mississippi. Uh, but but then you like went into how the like ink was was like kind of rubbed off, and I mean those those are really really strong moments with within this this story. So you did do some some stuff with a character. It just wasn't pushing the, the story forward. You know? Sure. Um. So actually, a question: What do you think happened here? Because I had like something in mind, um, especially as it as it grew and kind of came together towards the end a little bit. But mm -hmm. um, definitely, I was just like leaving clues rather than like showing it or i guess it is like showing versus telling but you know what i mean where it's like i i, yeah, I yeah, don't yeah. actually know how much i i made it onto the page well so based off of what i read i do know that of course there was some sort of family there uh and you know they have probably been there for a while based based off of the purple marks on on the i guess door frame that that has like that has like ages next uh, next to it and of course, there was a bigger, younger sister who had a larger room. Uh, but I was a bit unsure as to why the fridge was pushed against the um, front door. So, I, in my mind, my mind went straight to you know fallout. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, there there must have been something that probably happened within the town that, that caused this family to have to uh, barricade their cells inside. Um, and that's kind of where I thought it was going. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of what I came up with. Am I right? Am I close? Yeah, so that's, that's about half of it. So okay. the intention, and again, like totally fair if this if if you or or listeners didn't get all of this like I, I have no idea how much i actually you know put on there um but the idea is that there was a family living here originally like before anything bad happened uh which mm -hmm. is where all the the purple and, and the green marks uh come from and the boots yeah. and the the bedroom the bunk beds and everything um so there was a family living there and then this awful thing happened or whatever and um then the family like left um mm -hmm. which is why the 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 marks the the markers stop and then at some point um at least the um younger sister came back uh which is mm -hmm. where the um the the last notch comes from uh that she came back and and you know measure herself up again 
And then, so she lived there for a little while, um, which is where most of, like, the mess comes from, where the boarded-up windows come from, where the fridge Mm -hmm. comes from, because she had to stay safe for whatever reason. Um, But she eventually uh, left. She got uh, upset somehow. She, like, punched that mirror. She trashed uh, her kid's room. Um, Was about to set it on fire, but then put it out with that mug and then Mm -hmm. left it there. And... Um, implying that the the sister, the older sister, is no longer around, and that's mm. yeah, that's basically that's basically everything that I had intended to be in there. Nice. Well, yeah, I can definitely see the red crumbs you were leaving, uh, and I think something that that could really work in this story is if you do bring uh, across how lively this this place used to mm-hmm. to be. Uh, and then compare that to the place that you are describing yeah you know only because um as i was reading it i like knew that time did pass but i wasn't sure about how long Mm -hmm. i i knew that something happened but i couldn't really find anything that gave me a definite answer uh, which I mean, of of course, with with something like this, it doesn't have to have a real answer. But yeah, but a little bit more guidance yeah, for making you to figure those out. Yeah. those clues plain, making sure that you know a dummy pick it up because I'm very dumb when it comes to, like reading. I'm horrible at fucking comprehension. So p- part of it was I think that when I was going into it, I had like I wanted to reserve back details because yeah. I wanted to have some sort of like oh. It's a reveal of like, oh, this is actually post-apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is actually post-apocalypse or something. But like, that's I, I don't think hiding it actually helped at all. Um, like, hmm. if I had described on the outside, you know, there being bullet holes or whatever, um, then it, that gives you more idea of like, oh, there's there's violence and things or um, or whatever True. else. Um, I mean, going going off of your prose, which I thought was you know really really good here. You do you did a fantastic job of describing every possible nook and and cranny, and you know it was really nice to uh, read. But I do think sort of going into this re reveal in a very delicate way was the right choice Mm. and i think the reveal at the end after you know some like a rework could be really strong so i think like saying that you know there were like bullet holes what kind of ruined this sort of like Mm. wafty way that the story is uh sort of flowing but i do feel that there is a good middle ground you can find uh between making it obvious that that something horrible happened here and just making it a old building, you know. And I mean, that's yeah, a really hard spot to find. A so. mix, a mix between like making it very clear that, like, like having the bullet holes and making it very clear that they are bullet holes, but not using the word bullet holes. Really, overall, I really love this this story, and I think it is a really great groundwork to a further possible character study of uh, whoever the sort of pro protagonist of this is if there is one i mean you can still go with the um you know not with there not being a person there while still making the prose and uh sort of how this story unfolds characterized you know yeah for sure um mm-hmm. yeah there's definitely more that i i i could have done in here with the the storytelling and things i, I never described the walls and i had something i wanted to do there i, I can't even remember now but about um like a yeah like i kind of wanted a mural somewhere and actually in retrospect i like paint describing a painting would have been really really good i think because then you can (laughs) describe the the process and other things Hmm. well that's really interesting because i i guess my mind just sort of filled in what the walls looked like with Mm -hmm. like you know most of uh, the uh, stuff that you are describing i think you you did a really good job of giving us so much to chew on that that we're not wanting for uh any more details and you know that stuff that we don't have like let's say the color of the the uh, the color of the wall uh i can just make a inference on that based off of everything else that you were describing oh yeah for know? sure and no i didn't necessarily mean like oh i didn't describe the walls so like it it, it the story is lacking because of that i just mean like 
there was an opportunity to do something there that mm-hmm. I like had some ideas for, and then I just didn't um, didn't use them. Um, and I also, awesome. yeah, I definitely want to take in what you said about like the the feeling of actually being there. Maybe just like taking a, a moment of like standing inside the the living room and really mm-hmm. describing of like how does the air feel? What, what is like yeah. the like tone there? Like what is what is the emotion that you feel when you when you stand there? Which, you know, you were uh, you were like almost there when mm-hmm. um, the front door closed, and then it was something like, mm-hmm. and then a and then a cool chill came in, which I like really liked. But I just think taking that one step further, mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. this? What does this cold chill make you feel? Like what? What is this sort of open fridge and this sort of turned over table make you feel in that moment? Mm-hmm. I think that's the sort of core the uh, soul really that i felt was lacking here yeah 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 that makes sense mm-hmm. i mean honestly overall fantastic uh before we move on uh what would you do differently on a second go at this and like what did you learn from this uh experiment at deep detail yeah so one i i do want to do the the actual uh challenge a bit more in describing that that single object but i i on mm-hmm. more environmental storytelling stuff i definitely did feel like um that there was yeah there was stuff to to learn there there was like stuff where i would i would write and i would go back a lot for this as i figured out mm-hmm. what sort of happened um i definitely didn't have like a, a whole plan going through and like mm. so um, you just started you just hopped in. Yeah, yeah. I kind of, okay. I, I had like an inkling of an idea, um, which is always the, the, the best to me of like actually getting something written down is not to have the whole idea planned out or, or and not to true, have true. no idea either, but to have something I want to get to, uh, which for me was the like the notches on the <coughs> wall and then the um, the bedroom. Um, mm-hmm. Which were the strongest points. <laughs> I, I think so too. Um, <laughs> but yeah, of having like, the, the the going back and forth i think i think was something that is is good to to free yourself for um of not like necessarily tying yourself to a single um chronological telling yeah what would you say that you <clears throat> learned coming out of this uh experiment um just to just to keep trying with uh this sort of thing of, of the environmental storytelling and of laying seeds and, and groundwork. Um, mm-hmm. it, it was just good practice, I think. Yeah, it was it was a fantastic practice, and you gave us another banger. So I appreciate <laughs> Okay, it. I don't know if I can trust you to call this a banger, because that, okay. that, that makes me think that, that the other ones were the same as this one. No, which kind of no, lowers okay. the bar a bit to me, but, but it's, it's cool. <laughs> I, what is a lesser version of a banger? A bop? Mm, because mm, the bop's still pretty good. <laughs> this is your best SoundCloud EP. Okay, I was gonna say like if you, if you're gonna say banger, right? If we're imagining that as like the sound of banging, right? Like like I'm not talking about the sex thing. I'm talking about like <laughs> the you just, know, yeah, just just like knocking on something, right? Well, a minor mm-hmm. version of that is is the word knocking. So this was a knocker. A knocker, yeah. This this one knocks my socks off. Oh. Sure, I don't know if it did. I hope it didn't. No, the socks I are loose. I don't normally wear socks, but that's okay. Uh, is that does that mean something? I no, I don't think it means anything. Okay, it's just a, it's just a fact. Okay. Um, <laughs> but all right, enough of this fantastic story. Let's go ahead and move on to our listener submitted story section. Absolutely, please. So. Thank you so much to everyone who submitted a story. Without y'all, this podcast would have ended right now. Yeah, well, no, we would have left it just a blank recording for about 30 minutes or so. 30 minutes, yeah. Um, Maybe maybe like you uh, going to, you know, play with your cat and me like drinking water or something. Yeah, basically. So, the stories we are going to be reading this week are by Stuck in Reddit Factory, Haunt of the Heron, more did a mail and matt said words yeah uh thanks all for for those who came in writing at the at the last second um, we really do appreciate that because um, <laughs> i know that uh this this cha- this week's challenge is a bit um difficult and maybe not as like motivating um mm-hmm. to to write for so yeah i really appreciate those who who jumped in um Definitely. and read out their yeah. stories 
Yeah, but but also even though it uh, it this challenge wasn't the easiest to to hop into, I think that this has definitely been one of our most beneficial challenges when it comes to the stories that we got that were uh, submitted. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. First up is stuck in Reddit factory with Snap. So uh, this story starts a little bit, um, uh, I don't want to say unclear, not unclear, um, or confusing. It just, it just throws you in there. It, yeah, in, in, a, in a point that is not clearly defined to start with, right? Um, but it, it, then it, it goes on to um, describe this uh, image this, that, that you will hold in your head with this uh, cat that is waiting over a um tunnel uh for you know bugs and, and other things it's now described as a as a murder tunnel um about halfway through <laughs> Which um is a great description <laughs> yeah and, and so um gum is there who is keeping an eye on the cat and and gum is just a a fun name for this this main character mm-hmm. um the lighting is beautiful um and uh and we, we describe slowly the 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 fence that the the cat is on um which is like being reclaimed by the earth very slowly and it, i really like how it's described of like giving in um to the climbing grass um and we describe the cat and it's very beautiful as well um and someone has just come to take a picture of gum and that's when um we sort of understand that this is a picture and that gum is hold when in, in the beginning it says in their hand gum holds a cat a fence a moment and themselves we understand mm-hmm. that it's um they're holding a the picture and then we sort of zoom out from inside of the image to the photo itself which has been losing the fight against the passage of time just like the fence was against nature the edges have curled and the colors have faded but now gum slides it into an album um hoping that it will keep the memory from bending any further mm-hmm. definitely well yeah this is a very solid story uh i really love the description in this it um reminds me a lot of uh certain sections of uh Pflugerville, which you know if you don't know it's a small town out outside of austin that uh gave y'all the fantastic J- jarvis lister um <laughs> it's a fun name for a town i'll give it that much Pflugerville, yeah the fine flugies we put a p in front of every f uh, <laughs> cool uh, great. but yeah uh yeah, I just really liked it. I mean, it it really did capture this sort of beautiful moment in what I'm assuming is probably a, a suburb of some sort. Um, and then, you know, after the description, we like do go uh, deeper into this main character of Gum, which, which, of course, I think it's a really cool name. It's interesting. It's different. Haven't seen it. Uh, but at the same time, we we do get a very solid fact that gum does have a certain um, amount of of like longing, either for this picture or uh, for this moment. So I mean, overall, I just think that was done really well, and you did a really good job at sort of making this setting purposeful. So really, really great job. I really do love the um, the parallelism of the the passage of time and, and nature mm-hmm. and. Um just the sort of personality that's given to um, like, like all of these objects that are being described are frozen in time, but they're also like under action at the, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the fence is, you know, it's just a fence, but also it is being claimed by the earth. Um, and I thought that was a, a really cool way of, of making the, the, these objects have a personality of their own and a tone and, and making them, last more than a moment i think mm-hmm. definitely definitely well all right thank you so much stuck in reddit factory up next is by haunt of the heron with an untitled story uh that's right so this story is very very cool so uh mm-hmm. we sort of slow reveal of of uh where we are we're at this town uh south cliff uh the basically the the edge of the world so far to the south there are these mountains um that everyone used to understand as, as the edge of the world until some people um, dynamited a, a tunnel all the way through these like Mount Everest um, height mountains until they finally got to the other side where it's it's freezing cold um, where it's now labeled South Cliff. So 
um, and, and here we, we describe what this, this place is. It's this little town that they know they're at the edge of the world and they've kind of given up on exploring any further. Um, or the edge of the world is it's, it becomes a confusing of uh, title, but these explorers, they don't explore any further. They kind of feel that it's futile, but like they think that they could because beyond this, this cliff down way below, and it's, it's a mountain um, length down to the bottom is this, this ocean, but it's not just an ocean. It's this roiling mess with these shifting multi-hued clouds with waves that are hundreds and hundreds of feet tall um, with uh, storms, with so much lightning that they it shakes the earth, and everyone has to wear earplugs whenever the um, lightning is spotted to to not get damaged from the thunder. And just this really a, a sort of mythical, sublime sense of a, a gigantic and overpowering nature um, beyond that. But even beyond that, um, on on perfect nights um, where everything's clear. The main character says that they can spot very far off in the distance another cliff on the other side. Uh, they can only be spotted sometimes, only if you kind of really try to see it. Um, and sometimes they see what they think are people there, which worries them, and, uh, but also excites them at the same time. And but now they're getting old, and it's harder to see that cliff with their their failing out uh, eyesight or maybe their failing interest. Um, and that is sort of the, the, the moment that we, that we leave off of, um, that they're sort of losing sight of this, this grand vision. Um, even though they know that they can't really get there at least anytime soon, considering the, the obstacles, they mm-hmm. are, yeah, affected by the memory of it and the, the idea of it. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, this is a really great story. I mean, we have a super well-described uh, lead-in to this like true story. You know, we're getting these these beautiful shots of the mountains and and of certain things, and it and it really does feel like these are stills that are in motion, really. Um, and then as we go further down, we are met with this town, and we really get a, a strong sense of that. And then we're met with this main character and sort of their am ambitions that that are very that are very much so mirrored by the people that are uh, around them um and yeah overall I, I just think that this story can continues to grow and continues to gain steam as it uh keeps going you know and uh and like uh, nowhere with within it is this voice this very this very descriptive pointed voice that also sort of um, leans uh, every now and then into a figurative language um, that really does take us throughout uh, throughout this story. So fantastic job. I, I really, really like this one. Yeah, so Honda uh, Leheron says in, in one of their comments that this story was actually very, very rushed and, and um, you know, they didn't feel super great about it, basically. And I, I, I think... That might be true, but I, I the story is wonderful, and I absolutely much prefer someone to submit a, a rush story than not at all. So, um, <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for submitting, and and don't worry about you know things being rushed or anything like that. I, I absolutely think it's still worth it to to you put an, an idea to the page and and carry mm-hmm. it out and see what you can do with it. Because um, I I really enjoyed reading this. Yeah, definitely. I mean, even if something is rushed, you are still getting those ideas out there. You are throwing the ball on the the wall so that something good may may come out of it. I mean, this is definitely a, a really great found, foundation for a far deeper story that you can de- that you can develop in the future. So, really, really great job, Haunt of the Heron. Mm-hmm. All right, and up next is Mora Didamail with an untitled story. Well, so in classic Matt Freeman style, um, <laughs> this is a, a sci-fi story that doesn't appear to be uh, in the beginning. Um, so we have here this really beautiful image of a, um, a cottage in the woods, and it's just a kind of an idyllic place. Um, a cottage by a small dry stream bed. Um, and a, some stones and things like that. And then we take a parenthetical uh, to describe how this is not actually a true geographic um, landscape. This is something constructed artificially, but 
so detailed and so imperfectly done that it feels utterly natural and the knowledge that it is false and persuasion of it being natural uh sort of uh wore out and then the 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 feeling of it though it standing in the glade of this this forest um it's only as natural as a terrarium or a bonsai um Mm. still feels like true nature uh where people can forget and really believe that they're just somewhere in the Pacific Northwest or something like that. And that's when finally we, we see that there's a couple things wrong. The light's too diffuse um, and it's still not quite um, real. And, and when um, the viewpoint uh, walks up a hill, they can see the horizon, which lifts up into the air, a landscape, um, that revolves around in a in a cylinder rather than an actual uh, planet. And above, instead of a real sun, it's a another long cylinder, a light that shifts back and forth from one end of the cylinder to another. And so we describe this. Um, I forget what they're called, but um, a basically a giant space station that just feels like nature. Mm-hmm. But even though it's not real, and even though space is actually just some amount of space <laughs> below their feet. Um, <laughs> this does feel like a natural real place and that kind of makes it worth it in itself uh or that that makes it worth it even if it's false it's a it's a illusion that is worth giving into Mm -hmm. yeah definitely i really dug this this story i mean i think the the use of second person is is really well placed within this story i mean it's mixed with this really great deed with this really great detail that really does bring you there and it makes you feel like you are walking throughout this um, place and i really did like the twist of this college uh, of this cottage being a fake and and i do like the sort of question that is that is being asked it's like even if it is fake but it feels very very well but it feels very real i mean does it even matter that it's fake in the uh in the first place. And I just really like how that sort of idea is being shown through how the sort of imperfections in this place is uh, being pointed out. And I love that as we are progressing through this story, the the camera is kind of being pulled out and we're able to see even more. And then we're able to see, oh, they're in space. Oh, there's there's this. Oh, there's, there's that. So yeah, this, this story does a fantastic job of, I guess, discovering itself. Uh, and it and it really does take you with it step step by step. So fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. Our last story for this week is by Matt said words with a untitled story. I, people really hate titles this week. I, I know. I mean, hey, who needs them? Who needs them? I didn't title my story actually. <laughs> so well, okay, mm-hmm. I didn't when I wrote it. I but you did when I you posted wrote- it. Uh, I did it when I read it, though, because I haven't read it yet, so you'll have a title when I read it, so it actually does have a title. So tell me what the title <laughs> is, because I don't know what the title is. Anyway, <laughs> uh, so this story uh, starts off with uh, My Dearest Red. So this is actually um, a sort of fanfic, I think, of mm-hmm. This Is How You Lose the Time War, which was covered by the Doof Book Club just a bit ago. Um, uh, and I heard very, very good things about it, and I still have to read it at some point. Um, but this is this is a really beautiful story that stands on its own and describes um, this tree that has grown over a very, very long period of time. Uh, so there's these two rivals, blue and red. Blue's writing here, two red, um, and blue has is now like taking the time to enjoy this tree that red has sort of grown as a message for them. And uh, they're like sort of rivals, but clearly they they care about each other very much as well. And um, we just describe here of all the ways that Blue has um, enjoyed this tree and and felt it and and used it to think of Red, right? Um, How was it for you uh, nurturing the seed to seedling? How was it spilling life-giving waters onto its earthen womb? Um, And and sort of just wondering of like what it was like to be there while this, this... tree grew and um we describe here uh blue taking a bite of this apple and it's wonderfully um sensory (laughs) i almost said sensual which was like sensual 
Yeah. Um, which is it's really, really great. And I want to describe some of the... Or I want to read some of it. Um, the ensuing bite lit my tongue with the flavors of the ground you must have tread, the boots you wore, the spring water you fed it, and the hands, your hands, that cared for it. The skin was bitter and vital, sparking the rational feeling that I would be punished for desecrating its pure life, only to be invited back by the intoxicating sweetness of its pale and fleshy innards. I savor the bite as its texture and crisp skin turned mealy on my tongue and gritty between my teeth. I felt as if I could plant a seed of that apple and grow you. So that's just a wonderful... I think the story is basically like the ideal version of what the the deep description, you know, challenges is, is sort of done. That, that mm-hmm. going into like, not just like the taste of an apple, but like the feeling of it as it changes over time. I, I thought was just brilliant. Yeah, so it describes this whole tree and uh, how it grew and what it was like to be around it before finally describing how Blue cut down the tree to find the message that, that Red left for it. Sort of like, yeah, yearning for each other, um, even though, as I understand, they are they are some sort of enemies, but they want to communicate with each other this way. Um, and it's, yeah, it's just this really beautiful moment shared over time, um, like a message created over <laughs> decades and received some some amount of time later mm-hmm. yeah definitely i mean the prose w- within this story are just beautiful i mean as soon as you start reading you're just hit with all of these sort of t- twisty turning lines and uh it's almost sort of intoxicating in a way because like as you keep reading you 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 feel the emotion that that blue is really putting into this page and like you can tell sort of how their dynamic works between blue and red and and you really understand the whole purpose of of why blue is really writing this and i mean overall this story has has no fat whatsoever it just keeps pushing and keeps going and then you are uh you are hit with more about this tree and Ah, I just really love the uh, moment of the um, apple, as you said, how it's mm-hmm. like juicy and crisp, but also you can feel the like work that that was put into it. And I don't know, it just this this story is just so so ripe with this description that there's honestly not a lot to to really say about it, besides that it's just so, it's so well con- composed and there's such control over the prose in this. So yeah, I love this this story through and through thank you so much for for bringing it to us yeah i hope matt said words that you really felt like you got uh, something good out of out of writing this because i think i did because you so, hit it out of yeah. reading it you hit yeah. the nail right over the head fantastic well all right that is all of the stories for this week but we do want to give a good old do the right thing thank you to everyone who did submit a story so thank you very much to stuck in reddit factory Thank you to Haunt of the Heron. Thank you, Mora Didamale. And thank you, Matt Said Words. Mm-hmm. And, and we also want to say thank you to everyone who did leave two or more comments. Leaving comments, not only under your own story, but under someone else's story, is the best way for you to compose your, your ideas on your own work and give someone else's work crucial feedback that can help them and you become a better writer. Um, yeah, so I, I saw that there was some people that didn't write a story this week, but did leave comments. We really do appreciate that. You know, if, if your uh, energy flags or for whatever reason, you just feel like you can't write a story this week, which totally happens. I, <laughs> it's happened a lot to me this past uh, year, a fucking year of pandemics. It's not been, it's not been good for the old not depressed brain. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it has um, not been good whatsoever. No, but um, so so I definitely understand. But yeah, so those who left the the comments in spite of that, I I really do appreciate it. Mm-hmm, exactly. So thank you so much to Stuck in Reddit Factory, thank you to Haunt of the Heron, and thank you Matt said words. Thank you so much for leaving comments. If you want to be like all of these wonderful writers and submit your story to do the right thing. You can do that by going to slash r slash do the right thing on Reddit. All you have to do is go to the most recent week and use three of four randomly generated words in your short story. 
That's right. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter um, and to, to see the words as soon as they come out, uh, which is at RightThingCast. You can mm-hmm. also send us an email at RightThingCast at gmail.com and just let us know whatever you want. We also are, are starting to finally post episodes again on our subreddit. So if you Woo! want to leave comments or anything like that on an episode, um, you can do that there. If you want to support us and all of the wonderful things happening in Doof Media, you can do that by donating to the Doof Media Patreon. All you have to do is donate $10 or more per, per month to get access to the Doof Media Dis- Discord and exclusive bonus content. Um, that's right. And there's so much going on at Doof Media. Just recently, I know I've been hyping it up for a, a very long time, but the uh, game club for uh, Celeste uh, just came out very recently. I, yesterday, as of recording, two days uh, as of posting. Uh, Elliot and Ruben were joined by my friend Elliot, who might also uh, jump on this podcast sometime soon as well um, to talk about Celeste and some other queer games. It was a really, really lovely discussion. So if you haven't checked that out, uh, please do, even if you haven't played the game Celeste. Um, or game. Um, I mean, I guess I would have spoilers, but whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should probably ask them if you... If, if, uh, that's worth um, avoiding it for that. But there was also discussion of other uh, games near the end, and um, I found it really enlightening and a lot of uh, talk about trans issues and um, LGBT stuff and, and, and all that. And it was really, yeah, it was lovely. So uh, check that out if you haven't already. Definitely, definitely. Well, all right, I think it's time to roll on into next week's words. Uh, but before that, uh, what's the challenge for next week, Jarvis? Mm, thank you for asking. The challenge for next week will be mystery. So please send us your best mystery scene, mystery story. All I want from you is to continuously question what is around the next corner within your story. And so in my mind, mystery is really defined by uh, like two things. One is withholding some amount of information, Mm -hmm. right? Um, which makes the audience um, like ask questions, and the the second thing being of like figuring it figuring it out yourself, or at least giving the audience a, a chance or an option to wonder for themselves, not necessarily to get the correct answer, not necessarily yeah. to, um, yeah, n- not necessarily that they have to figure it out on their own, but to wonder and to think about it um, on their own, and mm-hmm. I think that's what good mysteries do, of just like making you have to think about it. Um, so like, you know, a mystery where, you know, the murderer, uh, who the murderer is and you know how it's done and everything. It's not really truly a mystery, even if the characters are figuring it out. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Also, I have found that, that a really good mystery has a core conflict that does not have a obvious or clear answer to, you know, that's right. And and, I mean, some stuff can be known, like you can know who the murderer is, but not necessarily like why they did it or Mm -hmm. how or, or whatever else. Um, and, and of course you don't actually just have to do a murder, but that is a classic way to go. So, you know, don't try away from it, uh, for, for practice. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, it could be a theft. It could be a wondering of like, what is the secret of, of some system or magic or, uh, why did someone do anything really? Mm My, Um, my only wish is that no one brings murder on the Orient Express sure it might have been done a couple uh too many times but (laughs) if you want to do a twist on it go for it well yeah it's just um maybe it's just me but in that film and book i did not like the twist ending whatsoever have you Mm. seen it no i have not oh well then you have no clue what i'm what i am talking about but that's right if if you have seen the the movie you know exactly what what I am talking about. I think it's too con- convenient and it barely makes sense. Uh, sure. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it tonight. Um, yeah, who knows? Please. My mom never stops recommending it. I think the best part about that film is the cinematography. I think you would really like that. But. Sure. Uh, but all right, that is the challenge for next week. And I think you're writing next week, Jarvis. So I wish you luck writing a mystery. I know. It's been a while since I've uh, written proper. So oh, I but will all right. give it my best go. What are the words for next week? Thank you so much for asking. The words for next week are temple, patrol, slip, and asset. Um, so temple, uh, which I think uh, has two primary definitions. A place temple, of worship. Like a, a holy place uh, of worship or anything like that. It could be a sacred place. It, that could also be used ironically, right? A, um, a gym is a temple to the human body, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
but also your temples, which is just uh, the sides of your head, basically, where people rub whenever you get a headache, right? Um, there is a, uh, the, the next word is patrol, which is um, to sort of search an area repeatedly for intruders or, or anything uh, like that for the unexpected. Um, so uh, usually police patrol, but it could be something else, you know, some other military thing, or you could just patrol for you know animals or or anything else you know there's a lot of options there uh slip uh which i think is a is a pretty broad word so mm-hmm. you can slip and fall uh, a slip of paper is a small piece of paper you can slip someone um, something that's right so it's a, a versatile word i think that one you can wear slippers as well mm. um a lot of a lot of derivatives of that too um and last one asset which is any sort of a valuable Thing that someone has it, uh-huh. it can be incorporeal as well it could be something abstract um someone uh, a euphemism for uh big uh honka donkers is <laughs> to have big assets or uh on a male would be well another yes that you know, would also be a big asset so um you could have big financial assets you mm. know huge tracts of land or whatever else um yeah, so <laughs> lots of options with these. I think it's definitely lending itself towards mystery. Um, what's the story you're going to write, Jarvis? Oh, uh, the story that I'm going to write next week will be the mystery of how was it built? The uh, p- the pyramids within Egypt, top down or bottom up? You see, this <laughs> okay. this is this is going to be a a historically ac- a a historic uh, a historically accurate telling of a guard on their on their patrol of this temple how he watched it year after year slowly being built brick by brick by brick uh, and you know uh, he wasn't the the best guard of of course sometimes he would slip from his patrol to chat up the uh, local ladies um, but but of course he was he was looked at as a asset because because without his swift hand nothing nothing would have would have gotten done uh, and you know this this whole story will will keep on going and you know it's it's pretty much about how to how to properly build this this temple and why it was built from the top down. That's a that's a brilliant. Um, Thank you. I, as an aside. Um, in retrospect, how it's made, as cool as it is, just feels very dystopian to me. I don't know why, but it, you like mean the, the idea, the pyramid, yeah, the show. Oh, um, how it's made. Okay. Yeah, how it's made. The mm. the show, uh, like I don't know, something of just like a disembodied camera going Watching through processes. this like inhuman landscape that just goes on forever, basically, you know, endlessly repeating with no, um, you know room for error i don't know it's just something so, like yeah. liminal and and uncomfortable about it you know um, what I, I like get exactly what you were saying because in because in like most of uh, those shots of like let's say like a uh, factory there is no people it's just bottles flying forever and they're yeah. getting, and they're in stuff with like juices and uh, stuff and, and and yeah honestly it makes me wonder how like sort of small humans are compared to what we have made you know mm, mm. that's pretty that's good and deep yeah so so i guess it's like a um existential question in a sense mm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so i will be uh telling a story mm-hmm. about um t- this is a fanfic of nice. indiana jones and the temple of doom um Right, so this is just a, a fanfic of one particular scene where uh, Indiana Jones sneaks in. He goes, slips past some patrols, you know, going around uh, to steal, you know, uh, one of the, that that primary asset at the center, which is like those like orb thingies. It's like the egg thingies, I suppose. I don't, I don't quite sure. know. But in this one, in this one, rather than being faced with a human sacrifice, instead. Uh, Indiana Jones is faced with the consequences of his colonialism mm-hmm. when the natives yeah. <laughs> turn their Western educations back on him and put him in jail for um, just being a 
terrible colonialists and just stealing from from everyone and they kind of put him on trial and he just has to face his crime i mean he has like he's just like a, a sentence in a like a pretty big fine he has to like return some stuff and th- that's mm. basically the the primary thing because you know these are these are people they don't try to like eat him or something because that would be weird mm-hmm. so they don't they don't do that so um yeah they just do the right thing um mm. in that scenario and nice. indiana jones returns the the temp- the temple of doom Nice. He uh, turns it to that. Is short round.